Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Did the Trailblazers do enough in free agency to keep Damian Lillard happy? That is one of the key topics today on the Blazer Focused podcast and video cast, along with myself, Aaron Fentress, beat writer for the Oregonian, covering the Portland Trail Blazers. I'm live in Las Vegas for Summer League action, and I'm joined with Joe Freeman, who's back in Portland, probably chasing around a child or two today. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing well. The, the children are with the, the mom at the park, so it's uh, weirdly quiet around the Freeman estate. It's good. It's nice. Nice change of pace. I had an official I'm getting old moment last night. I got done covering the Blazers Clippers Summer League game, did some interviews, came back to the hotel, did a short post. It's about midnight, and I'm like thinking, hmm, there's a casino beneath me, but I'm kind of tired. Oh, Aaron. <laughs> I Dude, I went Aaron. to sleep in Las Vegas. So disappointed oh, in you. Hey, was, uh, you know what? I can't even believe I'm bringing this up. I don't know how I'm going to show my face around any of my friends anymore. They would just be disgusted with me. But Fentress was, was – you need a sleepy time. Uh, I, just how it was. If, if it makes you feel any better, I had an old man moment last night at hoops at the end of our, <laughs> uh, of our hoop game. I had, a, had streaked away for a layup, and someone was coming to defend. I lost the ball, and as I was going up, and my calf – I got a cramp oh. in my calf. It was like, ah, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm old. Your calf said, no, 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 Joe. And then the guy was guarding. Yeah, you should not be jumping. <laughs> Stretching, what's that? All right. Well, let's get to some guys who are good at running and jumping and grabbing rebounds and probably staying up late, unlike me, uh, starting with uh, Norman Powell and the free agency situation with the Blazers now. There's a ton of angst out there in Blazer Nation. It's actually a little bit entertaining to watch in, in Twitter land because people are just freaking out. It's like I, I guess they thought the team was going to run out and sign a $40 million player with no cap space, but that's not how these things work. However, they did sign an unrestricted free agent who was well sought after, a, a quality player in Norman Powell. But in the minds of many, he was already on the team that lost to Denver in the first round, so does that count? So my first question for you, Joe, as we move along here, do you think that counts as a major get for this team? I mean, when you stack it up against the history of unrestricted free agents that the Blazers have ever brought in, he's definitely near or at the top of the list. He just happened to have already been here when they made or before they made the signing. Yeah, I mean, the most recent, you know, free agent signings this this franchise has made, you're talking about like the Evan Turners of the world and, and Andre Miller going back uh, a little further than that. So um, it, it was important uh, for a variety of reasons, 
not just, you know, filling out the roster, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, Neil and the Blazers kind of backed themselves into a corner here, trading away Gary Trent Jr., investing so much into Norman Powell, betting on themselves to be able to, you know, kind of uh, recruit him while he was here, give him first-class treatment in, in the hopes that he would return. So, you know, in, in that regard, it was clear they had to go all in to keep him. They got him, so that's a win. Um, they also love, you know, him, that three-guard lineup. The analytics, what it says about him and Dame and CJ, uh, you know, with Rocco and Nurkic, they, they, you know, with a healthy lineup like that, they think they're going to be better. Um, but even further, uh, you know, he's a natural replacement for uh, the idea that if they ever do trade CJ, they do have a guy who can step right in and just fill that role for, for whatever happens down the road. So, um, you know, for a variety of reasons, it was important. But also, for what you said, if they didn't sign him, they didn't have any other options. So they would have been uh, doubly, doubly screwed there. Yeah. So if they hadn't re-signed him, they would have had the <clears throat> mid-level exception. When they re-signed him, they went into the tax, past the tax threshold, which left mm-hmm. them with just the taxpayer mid-level exception, which they have not used. It's my understanding that they likely will not use it. The players that they were looking at for that exception were – uh, Nick Batum, who ended up staying in L.A. for less money, which should tell you something about the whole market thing again, I think. And then Kelly Oubre, who ended up signing with the Charlotte Hornets for like damn near triple, two, two, 225% more than mid-level. I think he got two years, $25 million. So they're staying right now at 13-man roster. Their hope is that at some point, maybe this summer or something happens, they they might trade two for three or one for two. But more than likely – they'll end up probably signing a 14th player at some point. I think the deadline for that is until after the uh, all-star break, which is why they brought in TJ Leaf, I think got them to the 14 last year. But one thing that let me go back to Powell before I move on to something else. The thing about the Powell situation that I, I think is missed on a lot of people is that had they not traded Trenton hood, well, let's go back to hood. Had they not, and had hood not opted out of the last year of his contract, like 6 million. And then the Blazers not re-signed him at two years, $21 million, with the second year not guaranteed. They wouldn't have had that $10 million chunk of expiring contract to move for someone like Powell, who was making like twelve. And, of course, it cost them Trent, but they believe Powell's a better version, more polished, a better all-around version than Trent. But had they not done that, they never would have been able to sign Powell as an unrestricted free agent coming from Toronto. He opted out of the final year of his deal, making him unrestricted because he knew he could make more money. So the fact that they made that move, set them up to get Powell in the first place. So I think for some fans who are complaining about them not making a big major move, their major splash really happened at the trade deadline to set them up for this, to keep this guy. And if they hadn't lost, if they had lost this guy, like you said, they would have been screwed $10 million mid-level. They probably would have gotten Kelly Oubre. I mean, which a decent fallback plan, but I think Powell clearly fits better into the plans of what they want to do moving forward, especially one more point. And I'll let you talk. Chauncey Billups has said that he wants to see more ball movement. He wants to see, more creation of plays by all the all three of these guys, CJ and Dame, as opposed to settling for the first look you get at the rim. Um, and they feel Powell, and I talked to Powell about this the other day as well, as someone who can make moves on people, get to the rim, and kick things out or just finish, he fits with what they want to do. So getting him back, a huge move, whether people want to believe it or not. Yeah, and he's also 28. You know, he's he's a right. guy who's just entering into his best years. So so it's a it's a guy who fits along with with what they're doing uh, time time wise. But um, you know, and, and what Gary Trent got three years and 54 million 
Uh, Powell got five and ninety, so definitely cost more than Gary Trent, but also I think you know overwhelmingly most consider him a, a better player, uh, a guy who fits in as as you just said, along with Dame and CJ. And <clears throat> there's still a lot of questions with Gary Trent Jr. For all that we have seen out of him, I think that he's still on the fence of you know which how good is he really really going to get. So um, yeah, in this regard, it, it was uh, it, it was a, a very important move. Now looking at the other moves. The Blazers made a lot of small moves with Cody Zeller and Tony Snell and and Ben Ben McLemore. Uh, I guess how would you assess you know what else Olshay did to kind of bolster this roster and kind of shuffle the deck on the bench? Well, yeah. So I mean, once once you sign Powell, you're in the you know you're in the tax. You only had the taxpayer middle exception, and then of course you sign contracts to fill out your roster. Uh, you know, the pickings become slim, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. now you're going to be able to make a huge splash with 2.4 million, which is what most of those guys got, I believe. Um, but I do think that the moves that were made are going to help. I, I don't, you know, I'm not saying it makes them a contender. Of course not, but clearly as good as say Cantor was offensively in terms of getting rebounds, he has great savvy, for a big man who's not very athletic, the way he can get himself in position to, to finish around the rim is is fun to watch. But defensively, he's such a liability that to upgrade to someone like Cody Zeller was a huge move for them. You don't need that much offense from your backup center. You need someone who can get out there and defend at a reasonable rate. Not that Cody Zeller is some amazing rim protector, but he does play pretty good defense. I I, I admittedly have not watched much of Cody Zeller, so I actually went and watched some of them. He actually does decently out on the perimeter when he gets switched on somebody. He can at least be a little disruptive. He's not going to stop Kawhi Leonard from going to the hole or anything like that, but at least he's going to give you a better shot at being a presence in there than Cantor was defensively. Tony Snell, this guy's fascinating to me because he's pretty much almost becoming like the next Kyle Korver like a shooter for hire. He shot 57% from three last season, but only a hundred something attempts, right? But in his, for his career, he's a 40% three point shooter. He's six, six, you know, to me, he's someone who is going to be able to replace in the, in the rotation, Carmelo, maybe um, not the four necessarily, but playing the three, uh, but be a guy who can shoot as well as Carmelo shot with Portland, but not be a ball stopper. If you can say one thing negative about Carmelo, I almost feel like there was this agreement with, okay, we're going to give you a certain amount of, one-on-one, post-up, deke and move, and deke, 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 fadeaway shots uh, that were fun to watch for nostalgia purposes, but was that the best option for the offense? Because he didn't sh- – it was his worst season ever shooting uh, from two-point range. I think it was like 40 or 39%. It was 42%, something like that. So this guy's not going to do that. He's going to give you the three-point shooting. So Macklemore, an athletic guy, maybe he still has you know some room to grow. and He's he, not a great defender, but he gives you another athletic guard off the bench. So I think they were fine moves, nothing major, but I do like the get of Zeller as a defensive presence in the, in the second unit. Yeah. For all that uh, Neil Olshay has done good or bad, and, and he's certainly not highly viewed right now among the Blazers fan base. He has always been very good at working in the margins, <clears throat> you know, from Mo Williams to Robin Lopez, to Seth Curry, uh, to his his success and history of of getting strong second round draft picks, he's good at targeting you know fringe starters, role players, uh, strong backups, guys to accentuate his his key guys, and um, he's done that again here. Uh, you hit on this Zeller, an underrated player, good size. He's a better defender than Cantor. He's not going to give you the you know the grinder rebound putbacks and all the rebounds that that Cantor did. He's not that kind of a presence. 
but better all around and, and more importantly, uh, as a defender. Snell, kind of a do-it-all worker, you know, he doesn't need to have the ball in his hands a ton, which is important, uh, particularly when you have, you know, a, a lot of CJ playing, quote-unquote, backup point guard for the team. So right. um, he doesn't have to be an offensive focal point, but he can stretch the court. He does crash the board. So, um, you know, both make, I think, the Blazers bench, uh, well, certainly different, but also better. Um, the Blazers defense was just... The, the backup, the, the drop in, in production from the starters to the bench that we've talked about so often was just so steep uh, for the team. And, and I think it's a key element to shore that up. I, it was a, an easy thing to identify by Neil. And I think he's done that here. Macklemore's kind of his, his prototypical, you know, veteran reclamation project, you know, <laughs> former, I think, number seven pick, a guy with who came in the league with with a you know a well thought out and, or thought of and hasn't really delivered, but but still has something maybe the Blazers can unearth. So so we'll see with that. You take a flyer on a guy like that, but um, you know we don't have to watch Ennis Cantor and Carmelo Anthony play together anymore, uh, especially so defense automatically better there. And I just think aesthetically, uh, cohesively, it's going to be a better a better second unit, which makes the Blazers better uh in in general yeah Oshay said uh at the press conference announcing that Stotts was leaving the team that they needed to get better defensively off the bench now I I wouldn't say it's a a, a huge leap but with with Snell and McLemore but Snell is a decent defender and like I said Zeller is a solid big defender but what really needs to happen is they need to use Jones more. Nasir Little needs to develop because he clearly is a guy who cares about playing defense, but he's still learning. But if those guys can contribute more, it's still a mystery why Stotts buried Jones. He would never really say what happened there. But I think there's some more athletic pieces now because, like you said, Carmelo and Cantor together, that was always extremely dicey. It's fun on offense, not good on defense. They usually would hope the offense would, would counterbalance the defense. But, no, I, I agree. I think Neil has always made – the year he brought in Lopez – uh, who's the guard that blew out his Achilles? Why am I forgetting his name? Rodney Hood? Wesley, oh, Wesley, Wesley Matthews. Matthews. Wesley, Wesley Matthews. Matthews. <clears throat> and then they had signed a small forward as well, a pretty decent shooter from Miami, I think. I, I thought, like, I thought, I thought, wow, those are pretty good moves. They have a shot to make the playoffs, and they did the next year, not that first year with that group, that group, um, that, excuse me, that group. So, yeah, he's always done a pretty good job of doing that. You mentioned Seth Curry a couple years ago. That was a great signing, bringing in Cantor. They don't get to the West Finals probably without those two moves. But – Fans want the bigger move. Mm-hmm. And, well, not just um, fans. In this case, usually you're 100% accurate. Your franchise <laughs> cornerstone wanted you to do more too, and I think that obviously plays into the whole the whole thing as well. Right. And so, and so did you see the video of him from Tokyo asked about the moves, and he kind of mm-hmm. seemed exasperated. But he seemed exasperated mainly because they had targeted people and then didn't get them. As yeah, Kelly Oubre. The- I assume he was talking about Kelly Oubre. Right. Well, Jason Quick of the Athletic reported that um, Dame wanted Oubre, but Oubre ended up getting way more money. The Batum thing, I think, stings as well. Like I said, he got he took less money to stay in L.A. Uh, but but like th- there's there's rules in place that prevent you from just signing whoever you want to the cap the cap. So they couldn't go out and make a huge signing. That's one. Mm-hmm. Powell was their huge signing. So let's say that number two, the trade world. It's is not new that it's tough to make a big trade for a star in general because stars are dictating where they want to go. Mm-hmm. So that's one. Two, what are you going to give up? What I find fascinating are all the people who have just been smashing on CJ. 
the last two months, right? He's awful. He doesn't fit. He's got to go this, this, this. But then somehow in their mind, they're getting a major superstar for CJ. How does that work in fantasy land? You, the guy you think is garbage. And I've seen people say this. He's trash. He's garbage. They expect him to be flipped for a major star. It's just, it's asinine. But there's no doubt in my mind that the Blazers would trade CJ if it made sense. But I don't believe for a second that they should trade CJ just to make a change. And I don't believe for a second that Dame wants them to trade CJ just to make make a change. If you can get Paul George, great. If you can get a Durant, a Kawhi, obviously. If you can even get Pascal Siakam, awesome. But those guys aren't gettable. So you stick with CJ because that keeps you at least in the running of being a solid basketball team. Yeah, it's not your fantasy football team, Aaron. You're not just making moves to make moves. You know what I mean? Like, and that is people do have a hard time separating that, and and that uh, is a common common refrain because you know the ESPN salary match does this trade work thing. Well, yeah, you can put anything you want in there with salaries in there, and it works. But this isn't fantasy sports. This is real life, and. Um, you know, as, as the cliche goes, it takes two to tango. It, it doesn't even have to be some seven-time all-star. You can get the right fit and the right player of an above-average fringe all-star or one-time all-star that would make this team better. But who is that player? Do, do Is that team looking to trade and so on and so forth? So there's a lot that goes into that, um, which, which kind of uh, maybe skipping ahead a little bit. But, you, you know... Neil has long, uh, as, as you kind of intimated earlier, Neil, Neil has long bemoaned the Portland and the Blazers' chances of luring top-end free agent talent. He has not done most of his you know, biggest moves in free agency. He has attacked the draft, built the roster around the draft, and he's, he's done some shrewd trading, such as Norman Powell. Um, and he, he likes to build with trades in the summer if they're not there, he leans on that trade deadline where he thinks, you know, there's there's uh, there's more opportunities to pounce on players because fewer teams are, are in the running or have a chance to make a postseason run. They've already kind of decided to sell. So there's more sellers in the market kind of opens up the potential flood of talent. And so it seems to me that all along, uh, Neil is kind of kind of uh, brazenly, if you if you ask me, decided that he's almost just going to run it back, you know, see how this starting lineup that he likes so much does accentuate the bench and then kind of be in an attack mentality at the deadline, which, which, um, which they're kind of as, as we're skipping ahead again in here to the show, but they are in a pretty good position to make a deadline deal because, you know, they've got the expiring contract of Derek Jones jr. They have their first round picks back. So they have some flexibility, you know, at that point and probably, some more sellers at that point too. hundred percent. Exactly. And that's, that's a huge component of this. They're, they're done for now, but they're not done, done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw what they did with Powell. Now, like you said, they're going to have their first round pick next year. That's one of the things that cost them in the Aaron Gordon uh, situation because they traded their picks to get Covington and that included the 2021 pick. So they didn't have the picks that Orlando wanted in a Gordon trade. So that's why they went to Denver where they got picks. They also made trades. Chicago got picks. Boston got picks. That was their goal. Now going into this season, you have the pick this year, 2021, 
or 22, excuse me, and you'll have your 2024 if it's for someone, you know, worth two first, two first round picks, plus the Derrick Jones exception, which they definitely wanted him to pick up because it's just like the hood thing. It's like, okay, we got a guy on a match with a $10,000 expiring contract. Who out there is trying to give up a Norman Powell type player? So we'll definitely see some action around the trade deadline. As far as Damien goes, it's, it's my understanding, and the t- I wonder about this, and I'd have to ask Damien. I did ask Norman Powell about the other day. I'm writing a feature on him. I talked to him a couple of days ago. Uh, so Dame, some of Dame's angst, it seems like, when he came out and was saying what he was saying, was because he wasn't sure they were going to keep Powell, is what I'm gleaning from all of this. And so Powell said that Dame was very instrumental in trying to say, hey, I want you back. Right. We want you back, et cetera, et cetera. And Powell said that meant the world to him hearing that from Damien. Um, so clearly Damien was trying to recruit Powell, which mm-hmm. tells me that Damien wasn't sure for sure that Powell was going to come back. He had options. He was an unrestricted free agent. So now that they've gotten Powell to resign, Dame could be a lot happier than maybe he was when thinking they weren't going to be able to keep Powell. As far as running it back goes, they're running it back because they have no choice because they really don't have another major deal to make them better. I just do not believe CJ McCollum is a really, I'm a Swartz just now, is a really effing good player. Like when people trash on him, it kind of pisses me off. I know you're supposed to be objective and a reporter, but some of it just makes me mad because it's like, I keep reminding people, I'm sorry, did game seven against Denver two years ago not happen? You don't go to the West Finals without C.J. McCollum in Game 7 at Denver. You were there covering that. You saw what he did in that game. Dame had an awful game, 3 for 17 from the field. And now two years ago, people are just trashing him. Anyway, I think they're going to be pretty damn good. So let me give you my reasons for optimism real quick. One, tied for the eighth best record in the league. I Wait a that. minute. We, we need a ticker. We need a ticker here. We got a one. Let's go. <laughs> and then we need, we, need, we need to list two, them one the, by one. <laughs> two, the analytics that – are out there with that five together are pretty legit in that they've finished with the fourth best plus net or yeah, plus net positive net rating. Sorry. When those five played together. Now there's one caveat to that. Their defense did shoot shoots up when they get Powell and Nurkic back, but they also had that stretch where they played the nets without Durant and someone else. They played the Lakers without LeBron. They played, uh, I think Utah without Donovan Mitchell. Like there's some caveats there, but still that crew did play well. They won 42 games out of 72. They're going to play 82 this upcoming season. CJ and Nurkic missed 60 games. Now you're going to have Powell for an entire season. I'm thinking 50 wins is, to me, the over-under. If Vegas comes in anywhere under 50, I'm, I'll say it right now public, I will put 500 bucks on the Blazers over whatever that number is under 50 and just pray no one gets injured because I do believe this is a strong team. Offensively, they're going to be amazing. They, they were fourth-best offense in the league last year. With that crew, they were really – Tough to stop when Nurkic is healthy and passing the way he is. I do think Billups is going to make changes in offense and defense to make their defense not 29th. Maybe it shoots up to 12, 13, 14, who knows. But I think they're going to be pretty good. And if you can make a move at the deadline to get another impactful piece, and the Lakers are old, when's Kawhi coming back? The West is going to be kind of wide open once again. I'm not saying they're going to win it, but I do believe if they're healthy, they're going to win the first round, have a chance in the second round, and then go from there. First of all, there's a lot to unpack there. First of all, how does my man out your vision? How does my man say he's going to bet a five hundred dollars on an over fifty, and he goes to bed at midnight in Vegas? I said, I said over anything under fifty, because Vegas the over the over under from Vegas are they out? 50. Okay, 
It's I not out, but it ain't going to be 50. I guarantee you. It's not so you're gonna, betting on it. You're going to be betting on it right now. We got, that, we got that on, on record. I'll put it on record. <laughs> under 50, over, under, I'll take the over. Uh, second yeah. of all, yeah, to me. <laughs> second of all, the West is going to be loaded. It's going to be brutal again. There, there is going to be some movement there, but it's it's going to be uh, a torture chamber for sure. True, that but it said, was already it was already, and they were tied correct. for fifth with correct. CJ, correct. and they're missing sixty games. Go ahead. Correct. Well, that's what I was going to get to. Yeah. The Blazers are going to be much better than they were last season for. For no other reason, assuming they stay healthy, that they will have two of their best three players for the whole season rather than just part of the season. And so having CJ for a full season, having Nurkic, who is so important, as we've talked about so many times back for a full season, automatically makes them much better than they were last year. It, it, and, and then as a result, the trickle down from there. It takes so much pressure off of Dame to have to play out of his mind for so much of the first half of the season just to keep the team afloat that he will be better positioned later to, to do what he does also. And I think the roster as is, barring any last-second offseason trade, which is still possible, you know, it's unlikely but still possible, I think the roster is better. I think it is a good team and, and for the regular season. I, I do right. think the team is positioned to play well. You, you know, when CJ came back, he wasn't 100%. And, and, no. and as he came back, he rushed back too early. He came back. He tried to gut it out. He wasn't 100% in the playoff. I, I think that was evident to, to anybody. So ideally, he's going to be healthy. Nurkic is going to be healthy. Every you know, The lineup that you talked about being the fourth best net rating or whatever in the league, I don't think it's that good, you know, over the course of 80 games, but it's definitely top 10 i would say top 15 at worst um you, you know that's going to be a, a, a with and then with a better defense a better bench they're naturally positioned to be a, a a good regular season team now that's where kind of the rubber meets the road is is that's not what dame is looking for D- dame has been through that you know for for nine years it's it's where do they take that next step into the postseason and that's where the trade deadline comes in. That's why it's so vitally important for this team to ha- to be opportunistic, to be you know calculating at, at that point, to then flip that switch to to become a more of a contender at that point. But I agree with much of what you said, minus the guaranteed fifty win thing. I I do think it's a, it's a better team, and it's going to be a it is going to be a good a good team. You are listening to the Blazer Focus podcast. We'll be right back after a short break. The Dame saga moves along. I've been saying for months he ain't going nowhere this summer. They're not. They're not obligated to trade him. They're not going to trade him. They're not going to trade him to New York for, you know, Alfred Payton, Peanuts. Barrett. And yeah, I mean, some of the trade scenarios out there by journalists are just astoundingly ridiculous. There's someone I'm not going to name the team or the person, but there's someone a, a beat writer in the country who keeps sending me these potential trade offers for Dame. And I keep saying, dude, there's no way in hell that's happening. Stop. <laughs> it's like, but there's still reports out there. I'm like, I'm just telling you, this is not going to happen. They're not going to do it. Now, if by next summer, after going through the draft, after going through free agency, it looks like they have zero chance to contend again. I do think there could be some pushback from Lillard at that point. And I do believe 
And this is just my belief. It's not based on any conversations with anyone. This is just absolutely just me throwing this out there. I've been saying this for a while that they're going to be maybe feeling like, okay, maybe, maybe it's time we do something. If Dame's this unhappy, we can still get a lot for him and move on give him a chance to win somewhere. And I do think Damien might push harder next year because he's going to be 32 next summer. But I also, you know, okay. I think it's more likely that he ends up asking out than it is that they end up making a magic trade that makes the Blazers a true contender. Because the problem is not only do you need this magical, mystical guy that's going to come and help you, and I say that because they're so hard to get, but you have to get one who's good enough to help you beat the other teams who already have two or three of these guys. That's the, pro- that's the, math, like, like, that's the math in this. It's not just finding one. Maybe you need two. Because who are you competing against? Look, I mean, Lakers are, are loaded. They're old, but they're loaded. Look at Brooklyn. That's just a ridiculous team. If those two teams are healthy, I don't see how anyone beats them. And I don't think, see how the Blazers can do anything to beat either of those two teams, no matter who you get. So at some point, there's going to come a time where Dame and, the, and Blazers are going to go, and they're going to have to separate because it's going to be it's going to be untenable at that point because Dame has already hinted that he may want out at some point. So, But not this year. It's not happening this year. We'll see what happens next summer, but this year Damian Lillard is going to play for the Blazers. And one yeah, of the I mean, you, right, no, no, one you, go ahead, go ahead. I forgot to mention this earlier. Norman Powell told me that one of the reasons why he came back was because he knew Damian was going to be around. Like, there's a disconnect between the fantastical rumors out there, what Damian has really said, and what's being said behind closed doors. Damian Lillard is not going anywhere. I don't know what you talked about. I heard he was going to be giving up salary and checks to just <laughs> cash it in. Dude, that report was hilarious. I refused to follow up on that. I was like, there's no way that's true. Well, (laughs) one of one of the things that if anybody who knows Dame, you know, from what he came from and how he's lived his life, even as a professional, despite all the money, my man is not giving up money. Like like he's not just throwing it around willy nilly. He's he's super calculated with how he does. He lives a certain way. So he was gonna kill the cash to force his way out, Joe. It, does, it doesn't even make any sense. It it, it doesn't matter. It's no need in, in going there. But I, right. it, it was it was odd. But I mean, you do look at the West. Let's not forget the your, your reigning almost NBA champions with the Phoenix Suns. You've got the Utah Jazz who are right. on the finally solidified their place. They they finished first in the West last year. The Nuggets. Uh, at some point, they'll get Jamal Murray back. Uh, so you know the West is going to be tough. You talk about Nicholas Batum, you know, one thing that probably stung Damien a little bit with that is Nicholas Batum is one of, if not the favorite teammate that Damien has ever played with. He, he loved playing with him. He's so unselfish, so versatile. And I know he's got a knock among Blazers fans for never delivering on, on what his potential could be, but he was a really good player here, especially in his last year or two. So I think, you know, that stung him a little bit and, and, you know, recruiting someone like Kelly Oubre, assuming he did that, that it stings to not get that too. But, you know, the NBA is a business and guys do what's best for them and their moment. And, and you know, I'm sure Nick looked at how things ended here and and his how much he likes playing for the Clippers and probably viewed the Clippers as closer to a title tender than, than the Blazers are. So that's, you know, the obvious perception around the league. Um, and so those are yeah. some of the things that – go ahead. No, you finish, you finish. No, no, you're good. Go ahead. I was going to say, and he was playing with Billups on the Clippers. Right. And Billups comes over here to be head coach, and they still couldn't get Batum to leave Los Angeles. And he took less money. I mean, again, to me, I'm going to always harp on the whole market thing because the market thing matters. It just does, whether people want to buy it or not. But to me, 
yeah, if I'm Lillard and I'm like, dude, we're offering you more money. We Phillips is our coach. I love you, dude. Come, come home, come to Portland. And he's like, nah, I'm good in LA, bro. That would piss me off too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I know that off. I know that Nick really liked living in Portland. He liked the city. But I also know that he likes direct flights to Paris, and I assume that there's a direct <laughs> flight to Paris in L.A. And it's not sure it one from crazy. Portland? <laughs> no, no, not to Paris. There's one to Amsterdam. But um, and so that actually it sounds crazy, but that plays a role into this. And and a guy late in his career, as as Nicholas is, um, you know, he's made his money twice. Uh, he signed two big contracts, so that's less of an issue for a guy like him. Um, you know, it's it just he has to look at the situations and decides that he thinks the Clippers are closer than the Blazers. And I think most prognosticators would probably believe him. But, um, you know, those are just a lot of the factors in free agency going back to everything. You can't control what another human being is going to do when you don't control their contract at that point. And so a lot of the reason that the Blazers have had so much trouble luring guys in free agency and going back to our original topic, why it was so important to sign Norman Powell, because. I think you're right. I think a lot of fans uh, kind of take that signing for granted and took his return as as an assumption where uh, that was not the case at all. So just bringing him back was was in many cases a, a huge win for the Blazers and their offseason. Um, the biggest thing, though, is, is Damian Lillard's happiness or unhappiness or whatever is going on there. And it's been very confusing summer with regard to all that. So only Dame knows what he's truly thinking and what he truly wanted and whether or not he truly got it. So we'll see how that, how that pans out uh, moving forward. I want to clear up just one report that was out there about the Blazers and, and possible Siakam. Um, someone put out there that they were talking with Portland about a deal and that the Blazers backed out of it. <laughs> and so I reached out to the person. I'm like, is this a thing? Like, really? And he said, well, I tried to make it sound like it wasn't that serious. I'm like, but, you know, you got Blazer fans in a tizzy. It's my understanding that that never happened, um, that that Siakam was never put on the table by Toronto for CJ. Uh, I, I, it's one of those things where you have to why – would it, why would a team give up its best big for a 30-year-old guard making $30 million a year when you've already got – you just resigned Trent for $18 million a year. He's going to be a starting, your starting two guard more than likely. And you got Van Vliet as your point guard. So why, like that doesn't make any sense. You'd be a a lesser team. I think if you made that, so that, that wasn't going to happen. The Ben Simmons thing, Ben, the the, the 76ers are willing to trade Ben Simmons to Portland for Damian Lillard. (laughs) You're not willing to do it for CJ. And and Ben Simmons has already said, I don't want to be in Portland. Another example of a star, you know, and I know some fans don't want Ben Simmons anyway, but it's just an example where he's come out and said, I don't want to go to Toronto or Portland. He wants to go to California. Surprise, surprise. One other thing that I would like to close on is that regardless of how everything played out, regardless of you know, who they didn't get or whatever trade, rumor, blah, 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 there's a lot of pressure on Olshay this summer, as there is every summer going into the season, but more so because he has put all his eggs in the basket of Stotts was the problem on defense. He couldn't hold people accountable. He couldn't get him to play defense. We believe Billups is going to fix that and even make us better on offense. We're going to have Nurk and CJ hopefully for the full season. If one of them gets hurt, you know, whatever. We can't do anything about that. And we got Powell, a person they believe is on the rise. Like they believe they're buying, you know, Google stock low and then he's going to keep trending upwards. Um, So if by the end of the season they're 44 and 38 
and the defense ranked 25th, right? And the offense dropped from fourth to ninth and nothing materialized, then it's it, Olshade's going to have to answer 100% for that. Um, it's, it's unusual, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, for a coach to be th- or a GM to be that emphatic about, no, it was the coach. <laughs> so he laid it out that not the roster, it was the coach. This roster is his. He believes in it. I think there's reason to believe in it, um, not for a championship, but to be you know closer to at least maybe the West Finals. So we'll see what happens. But there's a lot riding on everything he's he's predicted and claimed this offseason about this team. Yeah, and you know I think looking at the whole another level of the the impending season is it shouldn't be minimized that it's gonna be more of a quote unquote normal season. Hopefully fingers crossed things are not going in the right direction with the virus and that standpoint, but get vaccinated, you know, damn it. yeah, come on. Get, get, yeah. Let's not let, we don't even need to do that right now. Um, <laughs> Cause 20 minutes later. Uh, yeah, exactly. And so it's going to be, you know, especially for a new staff and a, and a, you know, a, a relative, a new bench and a new group of guys, it's, it's going to be, imperative that Chauncey come in and set his tone and set his foundation. And um, there's going to be some stuff in September, some workouts, and then a normal training camp. And then, you know, I I think it's going to be important for every reason that it was so important that last year's team didn't get that, you know, the guys are going to be in shape, Nurkic, the guys are going to be ready to to come in. And and so that will naturally make this team better organically um, and a couple of things we haven't even talked about, which we can get into down the road. But, you know, it's time for Anthony Simons to to become the player that that he that Neil believes he can be. I think Nasir Little is poised to kind of take that next step there. Right. Those are two guys that they already have in control who could really bolster this team and, and where it can go. And so, you know, there's a lot there. Again, I just think it's poised to be a very good team in the regular season. We have there's a, there's some work to be done to take that next step, but it does. I have to say, remind me a little bit of after you know 2017 18 when the Blazers had a, a good regular season and then were thumped in the playoffs in the first round, swept by uh, New Orleans. Uh, people were calling for Neil's head. People were calling for CJ to be traded. Neil pretty much just ran it back. He added Seth Curry and Nick Stauskas and did some low level moves. Because he believed in the in the lineup and believed uh, stubbornly uh, that it could make noise, and that maybe he could accentuate it uh, once it did, and that's exactly what happened. He traded for Rodney Hood at the deadline and at Cantor, um, you know, there just before the the playoff run, uh, you know, off the waiver wire. Suddenly, the team goes to the Western Conference Finals, and so it does have a weirdly, you know, symbiotic connection to that team where. People were calling for Neil. People were calling for it to be blown up. He stubbornly stuck with it, and here we are. It's almost a carbon copy in a lot of ways of, of, of that team. The blow-up thing, just I, I don't get it. I didn't get it then. I don't get it now. I, I think people need to be careful what they wish for. You can blow things up and end up you know, just brutal for a decade. And let's not forget mm-hmm. the Blazers went 14 years without winning a playoff series before 14, and they went twenty or 19 years without going to the West Finals before they did in 2019. I'm a Chicago Bulls fan. You know how many times they've, they've tried to blow that thing up and start over? You end up with Lowry Marketings and Wendell Carter's in the draft, right? Uh, Derek Rose gets her. I mean, it's just, I've been through that. It's not pretty. You have a major star like Dame. You got someone like CJ. Yeah, maybe you're not going to win the title in the, in an era of superstars hooking up on major you know franchises. 
but at least they're entertaining. At least they're fun. At least they're, you know, they have a puncher's chance to make some noise in the playoffs. To me, that's way better than let's destroy it and get into the lottery and hope we get the next so-and-so. You never know. You, you could get lucky and get Luca, or you could get unlucky and get Josh Jackson. Ben McLemore. Oh, wait. Ben, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, I say you stick with it as long as you can. If Dame wants his way, he wants to force his way out, then probably you're going to look into that next year or the, or the year after. But don't be wishing for this, you know, let's just blow this good team up because we want to try and have a great one in 10 years because it could very easily not happen as business fans should already know. I can't wait to see that that five hundred dollar over ticket you've got there, dude. If that uh, if that over underline comes in, I think it's going to come in at like forty four. Because I think Vegas, because Vegas likes to reflect the fan base, because they know they want people to jump in at certain you know price points. So I think it's going to come in at forty four. I'm all over that. There's, like I said, they won forty two out of seventy two this past season. How are they not going to win forty five out of eighty two next season? If it's forty four, I'm all over it. Vegas notoriously, at least in the Damian Lillard era, has come in woefully uh, under Love. on the Blazers' win total. Oh, yeah, it, it is a repeated, repeated offense by Vegas. But I love the five hundred dollar confidence. I'm I'm ready to see that ticket. If it's if it's like forty two, I might put a G on it. There you go. Boom. Don't tell my wife. This isn't going live, is it? <laughs> She doesn't watch the show. She, she has enough no. of me talking at home. She has enough no. of me babbling on and on. Anyway. Last thing she wants to do is see you on this. <laughs> exactly. All right. Anything else? I think we've exhausted pretty much everything. Oh, one other quick note. Uh, Brown, uh, Greg Brown, the, the second round pick. Man, dude looks legit. Like, again, it's summer league, right? It's summer league. But, man, he is rangy, athletic, get, gets to the rim effortlessly, just moves. Like, he's he was a top 10 uh, rated recruit in the nation coming out of high school. Didn't have a great season at Texas. I think this guy's a steal. Like, again, summer league, second round pick, you never know. But they do have a great track record with second round picks. He's definitely going to make the roster. Maybe he spends some time in the G League. because He's not going to have much playing time with you know so many people at his position up there right now. But uh, it, I think this was a nice get down the road. So Blazers fans, if you, if you haven't watched summer league yet, tune in. Check him out. He's uh, He's got some legit talent. Yeah, I mean, Neil's track record with second-round picks is, is pretty solid. I always couch every summer league uh, breakout or bat or whatever with uh, the the most uh, fitting summer league story ever. Jared Bayless, your summer league MVP. On that same team, Nicholas Batum, completely invisible, looked out of his head, uh, out, outmanned. Nicholas started the season opener and went on to a 54 win uh, team. Jared Bayless enough said, so uh, (laughs) it doesn't mean that, you know, Brown can't be a good player. And this is an example of that, but I do like that with the, yeah, with that juxtaposition. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, that's it. All right, man. If you go to bed tonight without hitting the casino, I'm going to be pissed. I know. I, I was just tired yesterday. I think, I think I'll make an appearance. I can't come to Vegas and not hit the casino. I used yes. to be just like the 5 a.m. casino warrior, but yeah, I just can't do that anymore. Anyway. All, <laughs> All right. right, Joe. Thanks. And thanks for watching, everyone. And we'll be back uh, with more Blazer-focused content soon as we mosey through the summer and head towards training camp, which I believe is end of September. Thanks for watching and or listening. <laughs>